1: You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all the action. Making a lineup for DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Just draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple, each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details.
3: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team
1: in the NHL.
2: This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 22, as the New York Rangers take four out of four points against the Philadelphia Flyers and the Washington Capitals. And our boy, our future captain, Mika Zibanejad, scores his first goal in like 35 games. It was an empty netter, but it still counts. And Andy, how are you doing? I'm feeling
3: good. It's always nice to, yeah, feel happy about at least where the Rangers are at currently. Uh, if I I could nitpick a bit and say they shouldn't have given a po- up a point to the Flyers and let them tie it up in the last few seconds, but whatever, they, they did what they had to do that game and yeah, even with the injuries and things and guys out unexpectedly, uh, due, either with injury or on the COVID list, yeah, they 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 took four out of four points. I can't really ask for much more and their team structure continues to be solid, and I think these, these last two games, I was finally seeing more of what you and I harping on in that, yeah, a little bit more simpler looks on 5-on-5 five five on the power play, more people in front of the net, and lo and behold,
2: uh,
3: yeah, you know, <laughs> they get rewarded for it, so, what were you going
2: no, no, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's amazing what shots can do. It's amazing what, you know, standing in front of the goalie can do. And I'm not talking about being next to the goalie and fishing for rebounds, but, you know, causing the rebound because the goalie can't see the puck and can't redirect it into the, into the corner or, you know, eat the puck like they would normally do if, uh you know, if there's a flurry of shots, but no, uh, you know, it's nice to see just simple hockey being played on the offensive end, which is exactly what they needed. Um. You know, after the New Jersey Devils game, you know, we were obviously down. The Rangers were getting shut out two out of three games prior to that. You know, we really liked their defensive hockey. And then they played the Devils and they lay an egg and they give up five goals. And they really struggled to get any sort of consistent offense, which is, you know, to be expected from a young team. But, you know, all season long, it's just been the same old story, the same old inconsistent Rangers. You know, and then, I, you know, after the Devils game, I'm not going to lie, that was like a low for me, like a really big low over the last two years, because I was like, for the first time, it was like major changes needed to happen, needed to happen to the coaching staff, uh, needed to happen to, you know, our, our leaders in the locker room. And I didn't know what to think. And, and sure enough, the Rangers responded in not so much ranger fashion you know getting two wins against two very good teams granted the flyers were a shell of themselves being ridden with covid and missing a lot of their top players like borchek Giroux, Knechny, and um you know but they still had heart and net um you know they still had some players that were ready to go jvr was uh, was playing so you know there and hayes of course it was always nice to beat him um And you you get two points and then you move on to, you know, Washington, where, you know, say what you want about Washington. I, I think we've both been on the same page with them with that. They're probably a playoff team for sure, but their age is still a factor. And, you know, if you can play the right style against the Washington Capitals, I think you can do very well against them. And the Rangers played a very similar game to that first game against Washington where they blew them out. And, you know. You know, you just got to limit their offense. You know, slow them down in the neutral zone and take advantage of turnovers. and And that's exactly what they did. Get two points. So, you know, um, you know, from the Flyers game to the Washington game, you know, didn't you feel like you watched two different hockey teams there?
1: I mean, as
3: far like I mentioned up top, at least structurally, you could see it was similar that they always maintained their structure. But that win in Philly really, you could see the confidence because they. I didn't, Not. I don't want to say the Rangers didn't break a sweat, but they definitely, you didn't sense the same uh, hesitancy when they were defending and the unsureness and that feeling like the other shoe was going to drop. I think them being able to pull it out in the shootout in Philly, yeah, just gave them the confidence they needed uh, going into Washington. Because honestly, the game never, it really never seemed, they seemed like they had it in hand and they were pretty confident. And I think even both Panarin and Strom in their post-game comments had touched on that—that that, you know they're they're starting to get their confidence back going again, and when you have that, it's just you know what to do, and it's less, uh, like you said, less uh, hesitancy in your mind, and especially if you feel like another shoe is going to drop, you just kind of will it to existence. So, yeah, I mean, very happy with the way they've played. Their penalty kill uh, remains spectacular. I think we're I think we're top five in the league. I think they they might be third or fourth actually. So, I mean. What they're third I think they're thirty for their last thirty-one or something ridiculous like that. Or no, it can't be right. Well, I thought that's what they said last night. But what the penalty? Yeah, yeah. But it, they're yeah, still, no. they're top five in the league Um in terms of you know goals against. I think they're right around top ten. Um Let's see. Oh, I have it right here. Actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're so they're top ten in 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 goals at least prevented goals against, you know, and lowest in the league, which is good. You know, you have teams like Ottawa that have played 19 games and give up 78 goals, right? <laughs> the, the Rangers have given up uh, only 41 goals in 16 games. So, yeah. So, I mean, listen, uh, Jacques Martin is, we were harping on how big of a signing that could be, especially with his, and you look at how guys like Hayek and Poteto have really settled in these last few games and have been noticeable in a good way that they just haven't been to, you know, goals against have been, yeah, the the last few goals have been just kind of, you know, things happen in front of the net, whatever, you maybe forget to tie up up a guy or whatever, but they haven't been as egregious. And, yeah, it's just, it's it's really strange to see as a Ranger fan because I don't think we're used to having, even under torts, our defensive structure was there, but it was all about just allowing them to get in and just collapsing and blocking everything, which, you know, I mean, wasn't a winning recipe, but you look at, if they play this way, Especially if they simplify with the skill they have, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, they're keeping it a little bit more simple, and it's been easier for them to score goals recently. And yeah, I think that's a winning recipe. I mean, what say you?
2: Yeah, it, listen, it, it's amazing what like, a day off can do. And you just felt like after the Devils game, you felt like the season's over, and they, maybe they're going to start, you know, their defensive structure is going to start breaking down. But then you watch, you know, the Philly and Washington game. And you know they kind of stuck to it. And you know in this division you're gonna give up goals against the better team. So the the fact that the Rangers have really bared down and competed very well against those teams, you know, is is definitely a positive thing. The only thing I I want to see now, Andy, is like the next step where we start beating the Devils. We start beating the Penguins consistently. We get wins against the New York Islanders. Like we can do those things. The the you know, the, the guts of this division is going to be so tight at the end of the season. If the Rangers can really take advantage of beating those teams, then I think we'll be in very good shape. And regulation wins are going to be so important because I, I do believe that is like the tiebreaker if there is a tie and they're even head-to-head. I Actually, I don't even know if they can be even head-to-head. But, um, you know, I, I, regulation wins are going to be so important. It limits the other teams getting points and you know it's going to end up being a tiebreaker in the future somehow so you know i I do want to see the rangers you know and they're not that far and we looked at the standings they're really not that far out like of a of a playoff spot even after this kind of like mucky start where we really couldn't get any sort of momentum going because this is exactly what we do we we have a couple bad games a week of bad games and then we play a week of decent hockey where we you know we will get you know five out of six points but You know, we now we got to string these things together. Like it it almost hurts us that we don't play until Wednesday again against the Flyers because it gives the Flyers time to heal up. And, um, you know, uh, you know, it kind of slows down the momentum that we built over the last two games. Well,
3: yeah, you're right. I mean, luckily, on the other hand, we know Capo just got added to the COVID list, so we don't know what's going on there. Hopefully we figure something out soon.
2: Is that true Uh, that is it true that his medicine could be screwing with the results?
3: I didn't see that I mean if it was that speculated online or by people or uh it I'm not
2: speculated really... it was speculated online by people that um that some medicine that he's taken could be showing up like creating the positive result I mean I have no idea how true that is, but um because of what happened last time, and he actually didn't have it
1: hmm. yeah I,
3: I yeah, I don't really know, I obviously <laughs> am not. I saw that Larry had an article about it on the, in the post. I'm not saying he, I don't think he has any extra information, but I mean, and we know that even, even though he's injured, he has been on the COVID list, right? I'm not really sure how that's going to affect his timetable for returning, or hopefully he doesn't have any lingering issues because of it. Uh, The Rangers and rightfully so have been pretty quiet on what's going on there, but They've at least keep saying that he's on track for that initial timetable. So I think they're in week three of the four week return. Um, But yeah, you know how it is. They're like, well, we need, he needs to get a practice under him because he has skated and they want to see how he feels on the ice and all this stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, if the the good news is with this happening that I think they're almost getting used to losing guys and unexpected changes last minute, you know, losing a Miller, losing a a Capo, Kako, losing, um, yeah, just losing Heedle early on at first, it can definitely grate on you and or hurt their confidence, but yeah, I mean, listen, you and you have to say that bot, the bottom sixes use it as their chance to step up because until recently, they were the only ones scoring goals. So uh if this little break here can help us get closer to having everyone at 100%, um you know, whether that's uh, you know, Smith if he gets hurt or and I do want to also ask you about uh Quinn sitting uh, Jack Johnson, which was clearly a smart choice, despite the fact that honestly, even though he didn't play too much time in that game versus Philly, I didn't think he was that bad. He played limited minutes. And if you look at our game score at the end, he was one of the better players on the ice in terms of that, you know? Uh, Yeah.
1: So yeah, let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I honestly think it was probably the easiest coaching change he's ever had to make in, 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 at any level that he's ever coached in his life. Uh, you know, KeAndre Miller finally returns, and we needed him. Uh, yeah. Finally returns from injury, his upper body injury, and you know replaces Jack Johnson. Now, listen, I I understand that Jack Johnson didn't play that bad that game, but it's just it's now the idea of having him. It's like he's not really he's not going to do anything. Like if he gets a shot on goal, you're applauding him, and that shouldn't happen at this level. Like we shouldn't be treating this guy like oh well, he didn't totally kill us, so you know, maybe he's not that bad. It's like, no, they got to be able to contribute. And if you look up and down, you know, the Rangers defense, you know, guys are contributing, you know, say what you want about Anthony Teto, the, the guy is playing a, a style of hockey. He's playing, he's bringing a little bit of grit. He's almost like a, a, a poor man's Brendan Smith, where he kind of plays with a lot of effort. Um, He's, he was able to, you know, generate some, you know, offensive opportunities when he's out there. He had an assist against uh the Washington Capitals. Um and then you look at Brendan Smith who again, he, there's another guy that he, he doesn't make life easy for himself, but you know he's going to go balls to the wall. He's going to run through walls for you and it's his effort is apparent. It's there. He does so many good things out there just because he works so hard. Now, is he the best defenseman in the world? No. Is he going to have breakdowns be- and, you know, collapse and and give up scoring opportunities? Yeah, sure, from time to time. But his effort's always there. His heart's always there. He's willing to block a shot. He'll do it, whatever it takes. He gets a nice goal off an unbelievable pass from Panarin, who kind of just, like, shovel chips it, like, off the toe of his blade. And yeah, that was beautiful. Unbelievable. And, you know, and he, and he did the right thing there. He stops on the he stops on the puck. A lot of guys just continue into the corner and miss that opportunity. So, you know, he, he's, he got rewarded. Um, and then, you know, Hayek, say what you want. Again, another guy that did a complete turnaround from playing maybe the worst game of the season to his best game of the season. And and I know you took notice. So yeah, I, again, Jack Johnson's going to have to be able to contribute somehow. Um, and he can't do it through his youth. He can't do it through his, you know, physical play, because I don't think he's that kind of defenseman. And, you know, he really can't get shots to the net. He has a t- tough time hitting the, hitting, the, hitting the net. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I just don't see where he belongs. So I, And the only way that he's going to, you know, eventually return to the lineup consistently is if Hayek has a string of really terrible games.
3: Yeah, and I think the more Hayek plays, he's finally settling down, because I think his biggest thing is that it's like the skating and the on-the-puck skill have always been there. But it's just his decision making and feeling pressured all the time. The fact that the game was coming at him pretty fast, and he would always kind of panic and do things quickly, and he then he'd end up putting himself in trouble. You know, we all we talked a few weeks ago about that blind, you know, uh, backhand to the slot in the third period. I forget what game it was, but yeah, but he's been much steadier, and that just comes with you know he's still a youngish guy. I think he's still like twenty two or something like that, and it's just yeah, it's good to see. And I think that's the other thing is that when you're a team that your, your team defensive structure is good. It allows these guys that are maybe, you know, maybe they're not on on, on, under normal circumstances. They're just bottom pairing or even seventh defenseman, but you don't, you feel like you're not getting exposed as much because the team understands the structure better and they know what they have to do. And it makes, it's made much easier for them and clear. And I think that's the the biggest thing is that it's kind of looked pretty, at least defensively, they look pretty confident. They know where they have to be and it doesn't look like they're, because you know we we've watched this team the last few years under Quinn, it's been a fire drill in their own end. Guys not knowing where to be, looking around, switches all the stuff. It looks much simpler. They're even if they're collapsing a bit or allowing guys in, they know how to to shift the box and push them to the outside, and it's worked. You know it hasn't been, and their breakouts in those situations have been much better. You know I don't think they're getting hemmed in nearly as much as they were in the last few seasons. So, and that's arguably with. You know the defensive personnel at times not as good, but it's just because it's they have uh, easy outlets that are given to them, and the forwards know how to support and and you know they're off to the races. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been definitely refreshing to see. Um, you had mentioned Lafreniere, you know, getting the monkey off his back. A lot of monk flying monkeys recently. Oh so my it, god! never pulls it off. Out there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to call this episode "Flying Monkeys." After, anyway. <laughs> um, but you know, but I have to say, like the one guy who has really stepped up especially since coming back is Panarin. I mean, he really put the team on his back versus the Flyers. He was dominant every time he was on the ice against them. And you could see he was wanted to make a difference especially after going down because you'd think coming off an injury he'd look worse. I'd argue he's looked better since coming back. You know, he understands what the what position and his posting comment, comments were as much. He's like you know, we're developing trust and love in each other or something, you know, the the translation from Russian to English is always a little, uh, you know, a little different, but you know, he's like, we're developing trust and, you know, (laughs) love in each other and confidence. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to keep growing from here. And, you know, it's really surprised me because he comes in and obviously he's got all the skill in the world, but this year, you know, call up him being feel like getting the feel out of the way he's definitely stepped up in more of a leadership role, you know, especially as someone who maybe you don't see him talking to the refs all the time, but you see him hugging the young guys. He's getting everyone going. He's, you know, gets Lafreniere a goal. He gets, uh, you know, Smith a goal. It's just, and, but you also see him caring and, you know, on the bench, uh, rooting for guys, happy for the potatoes when they get their, Goals, Candry Miller, Lafreniere gave him a big hug when he scored his first NHL goal. So, yeah, I mean, I really liked what I've seen, at least from a leadership perspective, from Panarin. And I don't know if the team wants to make him their captain, but, uh, you know, at first I was like, I don't know, maybe that's not his style. But the more time goes on, I mean, he's definitely at least been more deserving than some of the Rangers stalwarts that uh, recently, right?
2: Yeah, and i I don't know how he is in the locker room and stuff like that. I don't know if he's gonna be the guy in the in the before the game before a big game getting up giving speeches you know telling you know what the guys what they need to do how to feel and you know to get them kind of amped up but you know his performance on the ice is unbelievable I mean he's the, one of the most dominant players in the NHL and it almost seems like he really like you know he's trying but it's so effortless in everything that he does like the pass to smith like who who even makes that pass like how do you not gather the puck like he like going against the grain pushes it back over with like the toe of his blade because it's an awkward bounce coming at him yeah and it's like like, one of
3: those things that like you said anyone else would just kind of collect it and try to curl out in the corner But it just second nature to him is like, oh, I can just kind of feather this backwards while the momentum of the guy is following me, and that should be a wide open net. Like to think that in the split second, yeah, it's perfect. It's, It's like you said, it's absolutely perfect. And that's the good thing is that players will slow down with age, but Panarin's game isn't necessarily because like he is. Listen, his he's clearly he has insane puck skills. He clearly has is a great skater in all directions, and he's shifty, but the good news is that vision uh, is something that I don't think will ever leave him. So I, and he also doesn't really take too much punishment because no. he's just, you can't hit him. He's like, we talked about Zuccarello was a guy who could roll out of hits a lot, but a parent just doesn't get touched because he's literally his head, you know, his, his body doing one thing and his hands are doing another. And you almost, you're afraid to put contact on him because if you do the pucks going the other way. So you kind of guys try to read him more and he's just so shifty. So, he doesn't take too much punishment and his vision should always be there so hopefully he's a guy that he is a con this contract ages well with him because he's not a guy that like if he loses half a step all of a sudden it's it's over you know what I mean because yeah his game isn't really dependent on that it's nice that he is quick on the puck right now hence why he's one of the best players in the national hockey league but uh yeah i think it's good. that bodes well at least or you would hope bodes well for that contract because things like that that you can't teach those just don't go away he's always gonna have that vision and at least have that you know the know-how how to uh find guys you know with his passing ability so uh yeah and and that's when he's at his best he makes every player on the ice with him better which is the mark of a truly elite player so man it's just fun watching him and it's nice that even if he doesn't reach the same highs he reached uh, last year, that he doesn't really look much worse. You know, he's still at his best. He's coming he's got multi-point nights when he, you don't even realize you're like, Oh, he had two assists last night, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and it's clear, clear now that he, the clear, he, it's clear now that he needs to play on. He needs to be the trigger shooter on the power play. Like it's, it's, it's so much, the, the power play is so much more dominant when he has the puck. Yo, he's a shooting threat. For the time. Yeah. He's a, he's a shooting threat and obviously he's got elite passing. So players aren't just like collapsing completely when he has the puck because they do have to play a little bit of structure and take away all the passing lanes because he's that good of a you know distributor. So I, I think it's a must that he gets put on that side. I mean, the power play seemed to get a little bit better when it was kind of like a wake up call ever since Mika kind of got taken off that first unit. Yeah. um, and, and they played a lot better against the uh, the Washington Capitals. You just saw them moving the puck more. Finally, finally, Kreider sits in front of the goalie. Like, too yeah. many times he's coming from the side. And it just doesn't work. Like, you even saw it against Philly. Thank God um, Blackwell was sitting in front of the net, who was able to get the tip in. But Chris Kreider is, like, coming from the side and – like sticks his stick out like half ass effort to try to like tip it or t- I don't know what the hell he was doing, but it's like see how Blackwell got right in front of the goalie's eyes and took away sh- and he was able to tip the puck. Well, Kreider did the same <laughs> did the same exact thing against Washington, and and sure enough, it's a rebound off a a Panarin bullet which was perfectly placed right off the goalie pad. Nothing anyone could do about it. Chris Kreider was able to bang it home into an empty net, one of the easiest goals probably ever scored in the NHL it's like this is the stuff that is so frustrating because you look at these guys and it's they're the best hockey players in the world and they just sometimes can't do the little things that is so frustrating that you learn as a as a mite and a squirt like you know it's just like how do you not like go into every single power play saying I'm gonna plant my ass Right in front of the, like, if I fart, the goalie's going to be smelling it. Like, that's how Chris Kreider needs to be set up every single power play. And I'm telling you, it's going to open up so much more, so many more opportunities. And if, and hey, if Zabenajad wants to be that kind of, you know, cerebral guy that kind of crosses, old, like, if Kreider's in front of the net, you know, and then as shots were getting taken, you know, uh, Zabenajad kind of hovers into that dead space in the middle of the, you know, the slot area. And he can bang home rebounds that way, too, if, if Ryder can't get to them. Like, there's so many things that this power play can do because they have so many good players. Like, and how good is Fox? It's like
0: yeah, every stupid. game.
2: It's it's so stupid. He His patience, honestly, is he not, like, the best Rangers defenseman since Brian Leach? Like, he's it's he's to trending towards it.
3: Yeah, I mean, he definitely... You know, I'm trying to think of who else the Rangers have who have had dominant stretches like this. You know, you can argue McDonough peak of his powers, but honestly, really McDonough, that his peak was only really at least uh, with offense and defense together, maybe three seasons, you know, and then right after that, the year after the cup final, all of a sudden he kind of just the offense kind of dwindled a bit and he became more of a just a shut down one man like. Two way defenseman, which is great, obviously, but I just, you know, Fox, by the nature of his brain, and, you know, I know Pierre, everyone he harps on because he's look. Like, Adam Fox, the brain surgeon. Adam Fox is the brain surgeon. He, I mean, he kind of is. It's just the fact that he's 180 pounds soaking wet, five foot 10, maybe, you know, maybe six foot in skates, but he just is smart on the puck and he's got poise and he's got patience and he looks, he looks definitely faster this year a little bit, you know, in a straight line. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just, I think things are going to get easier for him. And that's the thing. He's going to get more assertive and he's never going to be a, a physically dominant skater that just, you know, like Quinn Hughes or McCarr. But the thing is, he doesn't really have to be. He has a whole act. There's a whole aspect to his game that he can kind of command the field in front of him that those guys don't have just because by by nature of his vision and his understanding of, you know, how to send out... Uh, misinformation to the opposition and his ability to get p- pucks through in the offensive zone with just like you know, pump fakes and hip swivels and things of that nature to open up shooting lanes or passing lanes is remarkable. So, yeah, I mean, he's been great. Um, and now without D'Angelo, it really does fall on him to really be the QB on the power play. You know, when Panarin's not also not there to play catch and shoot with him, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot to. And that's the funny thing is that we've been so doom and gloom recently. There's still a lot to look forward to on this team. Uh, you have to hope that that goal gets Lafreniere going. Granted, I had no idea what the Washington defense was doing. Lafreniere could have read war and peace uh, front oh to cover God. standing there. But, you know, what the thing is that the reason that's that's a goal is because earlier than that, it's the puck's about to get, he gets a stick on it and makes a smart chip uh, back to the point so the Rangers can maintain possession. and. Look, I've seen so many Rangers fans being like, "I can't believe we drafted this kid, or whatever." and It's so Rangers. Like, I it, much has been made of Lafreniere's struggle struggles, and all I want to say is this: is that if you look at Kako this year and Kako last year, and what how he goes from the worst, one of the worst, uh, you know, underlying metrics players in the league to the the most, probably the best one on the Rangers right now, and one of their most puck dominant forwards in the span of one season, right? Yep. Last year, his ground floor was that he, he looked slow and he looked out of place, but he still had his soft hands and he could, he put in, he still scored what, 10 goals with like soft hands close to the net and just that, that awareness, right? Yeah. I look at a kid like Tim Stutzel, who's like, you know, also, you know, he's getting caved in every night possession wise His underlying metrics aren't good defensively. He looks lost, but he still can flash the, the speed in the shot next season. I think he's going to be much more assertive and he's going, to be a, he's going to be a nightmare to deal with. You know, the good news for Lafreniere is his game, for better or worse, is that he uses his individual puck skills and just his individual skill set to, like, create high danger chances. And everything is very subtle. You see subtle passes through seams to guys. He can find guys almost anywhere. He makes a lot of little, like, deft uh, passes either to back down the boards to the point to maintain possession or, you know, skate one way and look this way past that way. I think right now, because of where he's at, maybe just in his ground floor is that he looks because his, his game awareness, his game sense is very high. He's never out of place. So he looks kind of like a third liner right now, right? He's looking like a guy. He's like not a world beater by any means, but he's a good, his playoff. The puck is good. He knows where to be. It just, he just doesn't, he's not able to leverage the rest of that skill set yet to be enough, you know, a dominant offensive presence or or to convert on all the chances he's generating. I think he'll do it next season. You know, he's maybe a half stick. He could could stand to get a little bit more explosive, but he will by next year. The kid's already a horse. And you look at, in one season, Kavos was like beating guys to the corner after looking like he was, you know, one of the slowest players on the ice last year, just by nature of one year under his belt. And is a way better skater now than Kakao was last year. So imagine what this kid's going to look like in the offseason after saying, looking at game tape and being like, oh, you know what, I need to be faster. Like, I need to be on pucks more. He'll have more confidence. So I'm not worried about him. I'll take, yeah, I know everyone's thinking, like, we drafted, or yeah, they shouldn't be, but anyone who's like, oh, this kid's a bust. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you know, Matthews, Eichel, and, and McDavid really screwed up expectations for young players coming in this league. Uh you know and so i'll take the hopefully this just keeps his eventual next contract down a little bit i'll take that relief and take you know enjoy the finished product because clearly he understands how to play within the game but that's just such a more subtle thing and harder to do but i think when it comes together the full package will be uh yeah much greater than anticipated but yeah right now he just looks like his ground floor is that of like he fits in anywhere but just is is an eye-popping You know.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Like, I like Pinto and I I remember everyone. Like, and this is the thing that I think sense fans need to start realizing. We need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone, sixth round pick, and now he's making nine and a half million dollars. Pajot, drafted, I think, in the fifth round and making five million. Hoffman. Welcome to the Sens Hour podcast, your number one source for Sens content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and...
2: And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf country out here. Um, But I think Clevin was was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin, but now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like, that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from
3: the Twitter scouts, especially.
0: <laughs> sends Hour Podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe.
2: Take care right and he is playing first line he he is playing first line minutes he plays third line minutes and I feel like you kind of get the same game out of him no matter where he is where he doesn't hurt you when he has the puck you can almost see like like little flashes of brilliance like sometimes and you're like oh oh, okay like like wow that was a nice play that he just made there and you know that it's only going to take repetitions it's puck touches and you know and just let his confidence grow and, you know, say what you want about Lafreniere and his production, it's it's not like the Rangers are are, are all lighting it up. I mean, besides Panarin and maybe Bucinevic, if you look at, you know, the stat line for everyone for the season, I mean, I'll pull it up right now for me. You know, you have, you know, Panarin with 18 points, Bucinevic with 12 and Strom with nine and, and Fox with like seven. So like those are the, those are our top four leading scorers. And Fox is in fourth with seven points. So it's like, give me a break with, you know, talking about his production. The entire team's production stinks. So, um, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that it's going to be a process. It's going to take time. And honestly, if this is the worst out of Lafreniere that the Rangers see, we're going to be in pretty good shape as this kid developed into uh, an NHL player, because right now it's certainly not as bad as Rangers Twitter is making it out to be, you know, again, like you said, they're just expectations are kind of skewed after that, that flash, the few years of, uh, of complete dominance by the first overall pick. So, I mean, even look at Hughes on, uh, on the devils, it, it took him a year. And now, and now you see what the, the product is. It's, uh, you yeah. know, a, a first-line center, essentially. I mean, not, yeah. I don't know where they're going to place him now that he, uh, Nico is back, but, you know, it's a first-line center. So, he, uh, <laughs> and Lafreniere is already playing on the first line. Um, one of the, obviously, things that we need to really touch on, too, is the uh, Mika Zibanejad. He finally gets the goal. Now, everyone's saying, if he got the goal, he's going to, you know, start trending up. Now, like a stock, right? A stock gets beaten down, it gets shorted, it gets driven all the way down as far as it can go. And, you know, when you're short on something and you finally start seeing the the trend of being low and, and he gets benched and taken off the power play and, and you almost, and we gave up on him last podcast, Andy, and he gets a goal here. Now, will we see an uptick in Zibanejad's production and confidence and just overall play? I hope Are, you so. Are you buying? Are you buying? I, I think
3: I am buying. Look, he worked to that, that. Yes, it was an empty net goal. But you see, he really worked. He takes a hit to get it like and I think that's the biggest thing is that he's looks slow. And it looks like you don't know why he's doing some of the stuff he's doing. And you know, obviously, with all the, the rampant speculation about COVID and brain fog and, you know, all this other stuff. But I think he's tr- – I do – it's not like I don't think he's trying or he, like, wants to be. It's just it, – it's it looks like he's fighting so hard. Everything looks hard for him right now. You know, I mean
2: no, – Oh like, I agree. And <laughs> where
3: a guy like Kreider, when he's struggling, it's just because I just don't think he's engaged the way he needs to be. He's too passive. I don't think Zemanjad plays passively. I just think his struggles, he's looked – like I said, he's looked behind the play and slow like he's always chasing play and whereas he's always looked you know on it and we talked about that little spark that flash he had all last season he just doesn't have it right now but I I do appreciate the fact that you know he I think he's almost at the point well you know what then I'm just going to devote myself to being doing what I have because I do see him go back and try to support the demons and I don't think he gets enough credit for that maybe it doesn't because he's not producing it's just like who, who cares but you know, he always makes sure to come back and support D and try to back check and get sticks and passes. You know, it's just because he's a little bit slower this year or hampered or whatever you want to say. It just, it you know, pucks end up going the other way on him a little bit more because he just doesn't have the same forward momentum that kind of propels play towards the opponent's net, you know, just by, by nature of the beast. But... I think he's trying, and like I said, i you hope that gets it off because I thought you know versus the flyers it was it was another like, yeah, he's struggling, whatever. I thought he looked much better against uh Washington, granted Washington a bit more of they're trying to learn to play faster, but they're still more of a slow collect the puck, get it and have numbers and go and enter the zone at the same time type of team, right uh mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it that helped him definitely, you know, the teams that really press. Or try to play an up tempo style, he's really struggled with, obviously, by nature of the fact that he is, yeah, a step behind. But yeah, you hope this gets him going. You hope he's slowly coming out of this thing. And uh Buchnevich, who ripped the monkey off his own back with that goal the other night, does the same for uh for him and gets him laughing. And, and yeah, I think that does stuff like that does go a long way. You know, cause it's like one thing for him, because he might even feel like uh, it was just an empty net goal. It doesn't count. I'm not really going. But then you have Bucicic laughing, looking at him, ripping it off. He's like, "It's gone." You know, maybe it is gone. You get you get you have four points in two games and team win. You you help seal it for your team. Like that's important. So you know, I, it's clear that the Rangers are, will not reach the same offensive heights they did last season. But just by the nature of the way their goaltending, Igor is trending uh, up. When I'm sure we'll talk about him soon, and their team defense. This this can absolutely be a winning combination, even if they're not scoring crazy goals like they were last season with just, you know, you know, five goal games and all that. Like you don't need that. You you can be a just a thirty goal scorer and still be like a dominant player. You know what I mean? If your team you know, you look at the Islanders, their whole team structure right now is they're they're never gonna score a lot of goals, but they'll be in the postseason because their defensive structure is tops of the league, you know.
2: Yeah, and and we can, get, we can get into the goaltending because uh, the last two games, the goaltending has, I, I think, been excellent. And, you know, they, they certainly all season long, I, I've said this from the very beginning, they've never been the reason why we lost a hockey game. I, I, I really, truly believe that. There's never been where a game where I'm like, man, that was three soft goals and, and that's the difference maker. It, that hasn't happened this year. And, you know, every single quote-unquote soft goal that the Rangers have given up, has been because of a soft play that happened in front of, you know, in front of the Ranger or in front of the, them. Sorry. God, geez. Um, yeah. Igor played excellent. Uh, the, the goal that they did score was you knew it was coming. It was just one of those where, you know, the, the Capitals came all out blitzing that after the shift, giving up the, uh, you know, the two goals quickly and, you know, they were able to sneak one past them. But you know all game long again it just looks like Igor is not fighting the puck he his rebounds are going exactly where they want him to he is able to make the two three saves in a row uh and that goes for Georgie too I, I thought Georgie played well in his last game and you know this is what you expected you know uh, I I'm not expecting a shutout every single game um especially with the Rangers' inconsistent play in front of them but man oh man it's it just like it's nice to see you know, the tandem kind of figure it out and play a nice, steady, structured game where, you know, you don't feel like, you know, the goaltending is, is an issue at all. You don't really even want to talk about it, you know? No.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, Hockey Stat Miner on Twitter just posted this an hour ago, but it, it just kind of shows where Igor's game is trending this season because he's clearly not the best goaltender in the league right now. But at the same no. time, He's of the 25 goalies that have logged 10 plus games so far. Shesterkin is 5th in unblocked shot save percentage, 5th in saved percentage above expectation, 7th lowest rebounds per save, and 8th best rebounds below expected saves. So, yeah, he's literally giving you uh, top 10 goaltending in the league, right? You know, he's not towards the top, but he's literally giving you everything you want that you will need to win. And I do think that's going to be the hallmark of him. I think Hank's his idol. And Hank is a guy that, uh, you know, he only won one Vesna, But you look at his numbers from year to year and he was never, you know, outside of the year, you know, he was crazy in 2011, 2012, right? But when he won the Vesna, But you look and he was every year, he was just top five or at least right around the top five in save percentage. And, you know, you'd have guys with these crazy variances like, you know, it's nice that Carrie Price is having a great season, you know, but it's like, you look at his numbers, it's like, you know, he'll be 927 you're like, that's great. And then he'll be like the next season, he'll be like, you know, 895 or something, you know, and it's just those variances really can kill you because they, they make it hard to evaluate your team. If Igor, and I think even Gary gives the same way he's said, he's all kind of all over the place, right? He's either giving you dominant performances or it's a roller coaster, but if, as long as Shusterkin can just continue to be just a solid stabilizing presence in net, even if he ends up giving one, like he, he just one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, you know, he, he maybe could have had that last one and they didn't get the shutout. But you know, as you know, I think the one thing we, as Ranger fans, we want to see is that, uh, ha, I don't think has Igor gotten his first shutout yet in the NHL? Does he
2: have, it uh, I don't know if he's gotten a shutout yet. In his, in yeah, his so
3: he career. and I think that's the biggest thing is that I want this Kim to get start getting some shutouts. You know what I mean? I mean a lot of that's dependent on the play in front of him, but the good news right. is I think he's a guy that no matter what you are get like you said, you're getting even if a goal does go against him, it's not. It's like his. I don't think he's going to fall apart. You know what I mean? And it's going to snowball on him. I just think he might not he might not be right there to, to lock in and lock it down yet where you're just like, you're just not beating this guy tonight. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and obviously had that we, and Rager fans continue to realize how spoiled they were, you know, so it makes what? all the belly aching on the way out. It's kind of seem like, you know, but it's just, he's going to get there. And I think that's also confidence and he had a rough start, but you know, was used to start rough early in the season too. And lo and behold, oh, yeah. now Igor is literally just slotting very nicely into just uh, absolutely everything you want to to have a winning combination for a goaltender and he's not he might not give win i don't know if he's going to steal a lot of games for the rangers this year but the good news is if they keep playing like this structurally he, he won't have to and it'll be a winning combination they just need to their offense needs to get going and that's really it and it's kind of weird to say that because it's like <laughs> in the past it's like wow you know the rangers have been these high flying teams that just can't keep their pucks out of their net but Uh, yeah, the fact that it's trending in the opposite direction for once is refreshing. But it's obviously, it's been hard for them to build up to this and figure it all out because it's, yeah, they're kind of rewriting their own DNA a bit.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it is the harsh reality that fans, you know, have to come to grips with that, you know, every goalie that is not Henrik Lundqvist doesn't stink and is a bust. It's like, that's the reality that 90% of the teams in the league face is that, you know, they do have inconsistent goaltending. They do have a year where a goalie, you know, is fighting for a Vezna, and then the next year he does drop off. Like, it, it happens. It happens every single season. So, you know, you gotta you gotta take a deep breath here and say, you know, are, are our goaltenders playing the right way? Are, are they costing us games? No. Are they winning us games right now? Probably not, no. But I'll take this right now, all season long, from Igor, if this is you know, the max that he gets to this year, because, you know, the the last few games that he's been playing, he has been sharp and, you know, and the Rangers have been bearing down in the defensive zone against some very good offensive teams. And, you know, that that's again, a, a pat on the back. And that's how you kind of have to play. If you want to, you know, win Stanley cups, you know, the Rangers always, I felt like got to the playoffs and they expected Hank to steal games for them. Like, if Hank wasn't playing out of his mind, which he did, and he even elevated his game in the playoffs, which is kind of absurd if you look at his regular season numbers, his playoff numbers are crazy. His game sevens are unbelievable, like historic. So, you know, I I don't want to be that team anymore. I don't want to be the team that is defined by our goaltending. I want to be the team that, you know, wins games on the offensive side of the puck and doesn't have to have a heart attack every single playoff game, you know, whether or not we're going to win the game 2-1. And when the other team hits three goals, we're like, ah, shit, we lost, like, sucks, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and also, too, great to see Hank, I, I guess he's just running all around New York City, Manhattan Central Park. Uh, so he's back getting into shape. So, man, uh, that, that's great to see after, you know, a guy who just had, you know, uh, all these heart issues and a, and a surgery.
3: Well, you know the good thing is, and listen, up there is a there. Are, I'm glad he's feeling better. Uh, I'm not stupid. I understand a part of this, especially intimating that it's like I've been feeling good and it seems like it's working, and I'm ahead of schedule and all this stuff is kind of it's trying to set him up that to make sure that there might be a team that would take a chance on him next season or at least see what he's made of. You know what I mean? Because you know his age plus coming off of open heart surgery equals I don't know if I want to touch this guy right. But, yeah. you know, this is the, the good, listen, first of all, you just, I'm you're so happy it's not going to affect his quality of life. And the goodwill campaign continues. And yeah, I honestly, I want to get him to see to get a shot because it's like, you know, you wonder, I don't know how he would look right now with, if this wasn't going on on Washington, but you know, if he wants to keep playing as time goes on, it's fine. Let him, because I think obviously this all happening you never want a guy to not be able to continue his career on his own terms. You know what I mean? And so maybe it was like, "Ah, maybe just give it up. But, um, you know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, if he wants to see how he can perform after this or get back on the ice or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm, even if it's not with the Rangers, which it most likely won't be, but yeah, I, I, I'd want, if that makes him happy and there's a team that's willing to do it, I'd like to see that. But yeah so we're just happy for him, but actually, I watched James I was watching the highlights from uh, all the games last night. you know we had the obviously <laughs> uh, a game that's postponed because the weather was too nice. you know it's too sunny, so after the first period of those outdoor games, they had to move it to uh, midnight eastern time. so I obviously wasn't going to watch it live, but I, I uh, checked in on it this morning. but specifically, I'm looking at all these high scoring uh, games from the north. do you think I mean, I'm sure all, like, right now, you, you look at the numbers for guys like McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Like, I'm sure these guys are feeling really great about themselves, but do you think if those teams in the playoffs, if they eventually need a team from one of the other divisions, specifically either the East, which is in terms of uh, defense and goals saved, you know, above expectation. Like, do you think they're in for a rude awakening with how porous defensively all these teams in the North have been?
2: Yeah, Okay, so yeah, yes, I well, I see what you're saying, and I've seen this from multiple people bashing the north, but I think this is how the north has to play against each other. I think it's a different division than the rest of the league. And I only say that because the teams are kind of unique, right? You have Toronto and Edmonton who have, you know, the star power of McDavid and Matthews, right? You know, those guys are going to put up a ton of points. And then you got teams that are, are gonna have to play a gritty style uh, for them to win in like Winnipeg and, and Montreal and Calgary, who don't have like the big horses to really carry them over, you know, over the top in terms of production. And then, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, my bold prediction of the Ottawa, you know, maybe being able to steal games because of they can play that gritty style, they're just not there yet. It's just it's really sad to see. And they they don't have the goaltending, they don't have the horses, the even even make a close run at this, um, and then you you know Vancouver. I think I don't know what they did over the offseason. I just felt like every single move they made, they got worse. So yeah. I don't really even include them in the conversation. No, yeah, I don't include them. But I just think.
3: That, sorry, no. Keep going. I'll, I'll no. So in.
2: to answer your question, I think what you have in the north is two divisions within the division. You have Toronto and Edmonton that are able to put up all these numbers against these teams, right? And they're having success. But you be careful when the playoffs begin, because whoever slots in that three and four spot, especially that three spot, because I think you're going to end up playing Edmonton. I think you can steal that series and then steal the division, because everyone keeps saying that Toronto's not really going to be contested in in, until the uh, until the what I guess would be the semifinals of. I don't know who they would play in the semifinals. I
3: assume I assume they would play someone from the East Division. In the, or yeah. in you know in the in the yeah in the, in the semis right because it's uh, like they would go through their entire division first, uh, yeah. then they would you know face the winner from the east and then eventually the winner of the northeast and the winner of the central west would meet in the Stanley Cup final. I assume that's how this would play out. Uh, we yeah, still don't and, know obviously all the details yet. But
2: and, and and barring some major trades that I think some teams could end up making, but I, I'd be worried about winnipeg if i'm toronto and edmonton because there's a team that can rely on their goaltending in the playoffs. they can play a more physical game in the playoffs and we all know the playoffs is a time where the refs just swallow their whistles teams get away with a lot more the game's a little bit slower it's more of a grind and i don't think that suits toronto and i don't think that suits edmonton and you know uh i think i think edmonton would have a better better chance of winning but i i really do think winnipeg when it comes to playoff time might be the biggest pain in the ass in that division to play against because i don't i don't think toronto and edmonton are going to be able to match that physical intensity that you need you know in the playoffs
3: you know i just like you said i think a team especially a team like the islanders i could see them just slogging a team like the maple leafs down you know what i mean oh yes absolutely and I, you know, I, obviously it's like, you, it, you, it's nice to see, you know, Matthews has really stepped up this year and is really mm-hmm. taking charge over this team. Uh, and yeah, Marner has been much better too. Right. And yeah, yeah they're just scoring goals at a, at a ridiculous pace, but at the same time, it's just, I could just see, you know, I don't know. I just, I just think the the beauty, at least for some of these other divisions, you know, that's why I look at, Uh, some of the yes maybe you can argue a team like uh, the avalanche haven't had to face as much top tier competition as frequently but they're just always been dominant and they play there's a few teams in their division that play play like they play it a little differently you know you have teams that are much tighter structurally and then you have teams that are a little bit more free-flowing and they just doesn't matter they can mix it up and I just think that's the thing that, like you said, it's almost like they have the North has established this own style, especially because you have two mm-hmm. poorest teams in Vancouver, and hell, even Calgary right now can't figure out how to keep the puck out of their net. So all these games six to five, I just think if you don't have the regular season at least to figure out how do we crunch down and keep this low, you know? Because yeah, obviously we've had some high flying games in, in in the in the other divisions, but I just feel like every game for those teams is. You, you're they're winning you know you know four to three or or, or six to five or, or five to four you know or five to three you yeah. know so i just and i yeah i just you have to wonder it and listen it's great to watch i've loved it it's been so it's been appointment viewing and so fun to watch these games because they're never out of it and you know mcdavid jesus christ he's on he's on pace for uh, I think if he'd be on. If this was a full eighty-two season, points, uh, eighty-two game season, he'd be on a pace for like one hundred and fifty points or something ridiculous. He looks absolutely like a world beater right now. And Drysaddle's picking up exactly where he left off. Yeah, so you know, and listen, those guys will always have the skill to break games open, which is great. But at the same time, it's just they can't be on the ice at all times. And if you know, you can't have to refigure things out. In the playoffs, it's just too much time. You know what I mean? So you just have to wonder. I look at a team like Boston who maybe, you know, they've looked good, but maybe they dropped some games they shouldn't here or there. But you just know they can. They play a style that's conducive to playing with any team. Same thing with Carolina. Same thing with Tampa. Same thing with uh, the Avalanche. And I just look at these teams in the north, and I just don't know. I honestly, even though, even though I think Toronto is technically a better team skill-wise, top to bottom, I think I like Montreal a little bit better to, yeah, no, to Montreal, fight it out with yeah. other teams because I think they're at least the best structurally and I think they
2: can still pot some goals but I think they can tighten it up when they need to and and to put things into perspective of where the East and the North kind of like match up against each other the, the Washington Capitals have given up 57 goals which is the worst in all of the East right yeah they would be third best in <laughs> in the north, which is bizarre. And if you look at the Boston Bruins, in fifteen games they gave up thirty-three goals. Thirty-three goals. Like that's eleven. Let's see. Montreal has given the least amount of goals in six and they gave up forty four goals. And that's the that's the that's the best in that division. Yeah. Like just to put it into perspective, like the Boston Bruins are are not gonna let these teams score six goals against them. And they're not going to win 7-6. You know what I mean? Like It's just not going to happen if they have to face each other, so whoever comes out of the north. Because I, I do think everyone is just, you know, punching Toronto's ticket for them to come out of this division. I think it's going to be much harder than people think. I don't think this is the Toronto Edmonton show that everyone thinks it's going to be. Maybe during the regular season it is, while their stars can rack up all these beautiful points. But yeah, like you said, man, Winnipeg and Montreal, they're going to be a pain in the ass with their structure and, you know, you know, their goaltending and, you know, just the style of play that they they know that they're going to need to play. I think they have a shot. I don't, I don't think this is uh, uh, such an easy out uh, that people think for Toronto.
3: Yeah, no, I, and I absolutely agree. And yeah, I think that's the one thing as much as this unique season has been fun. The one thing that makes it hard is that you kind of like, it's hard to know get the full picture of the landscape of the league because you don't don't see how you know especially the heavy hitters it's like you don't get the benefit of tampa playing boston uh you know twice this year or hell hell even like three or four times you don't get the benefit of seeing how the avalanche stacks up to the, the hurricanes you know what i mean or the islanders stack up to like you know the uh yeah, like one of the, the you know, who who leads the league in goal scored this year is it so far? Is it Colorado?
2: Um, it might be, might be even goals. Toronto. I don't know. It's but. Toronto and Ed, Toronto and Edmonton both have seventy two right now. Yeah, so and. you don't. Yeah,
3: and yeah, especially so their goals for I think is like Toronto's like the highest in the league. I think they're like three point seven. So yeah, you don't get to see them versus the Islanders yet. You know, mm-hmm. so you just it's kind of right. hard to know. Which is, it's cool though. It's intriguing because when it comes, it's just kind of like you don't have that thing. You're just like, how's this going to go? And it's going to be, yeah. But listen, I mean, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, We've had a lot of with, you know, obviously a lot of teams got hit with COVID recently, but it seems like they've gotten a lot of these games rescheduled and minus a player going on here, you know, here or there. Hopefully that means it's, uh, you know, it's going to be trending downwards now, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as this all relates to the Rangers, I know we just spent the last uh, 15 minutes talking about around the league, but I mean, I think you, I don't know. You can tell me if you're on the same page, but I think this is a team that despite very much still trying to figure things out, like I at least like what they are trying to build at this point. You know, we can argue uh, at a later date the need for a better offensive scheme, you know, or you hell even system and that, whether or not Quinn is that guy, but it's nice to see, at least we're starting to see that traction of, okay, we, like they really made it a point to make sure they could try to lock things down this year and they're getting better at it. They're not there yet. They still give up <laughs> ill-advised goals, you know, with when they're trying to sit on a lead, but you know, their goals against are way down. Uh, they're they're kind of becoming one of those teams that just hovers around, you know, the, the top 10 in, in whatever defense. And, you know, their goals for unfortunately is, is, I think bottom ten in the league, but they've been super unlucky. You look at the PDO of a lot of their players and their shooting percentages, and but that's also structurally. I think them trying to figure out how to tighten up offensively has clearly hurt their high flying, uh, you know, or excuse me, defensively has hurt their high flying offense. But yeah, you got to crawl before you can walk, and I think the biggest thing for this team is figuring out how they can get rack some wins while crawling, even if it's a little bit harder. And then because down the road. Once that's kind of baked into their DNA, it'll make things so much easier for them. And they'll be one of those teams where, like Boston, and you're like, oh, even if they have an off night, like they can just win because they just know what to do. You know what I mean? And Rangers aren't there yet, but I think they're getting there. So I don't know, James, what do you you feel about that?
2: Yeah, you know, what I want to see from the New York Rangers from here on out is just a little bit more consistency in their play. I want to see them trending upwards i don't want it to be a flat line because you mentioned uh maybe a couple podcasts ago that you felt like the rangers were kind of just like their tires were spinning and i don't want to see that i want to even if it's slow i just want to see you know them moving in a positive direction and i know they have a lot of young younger players and i know their leaders have been extremely inconsistent but this team has enough skill that they have enough depth to win hockey games and there I know we penciled them into the playoffs at the beginning of the season there is still watching this division play out there is still no reason why the Rangers cannot be a playoff team when the season ends and i think they hold i hold, i think they hold their destiny in their own hands it's it's their attitude it's the way they come out it's it's more of a consistent play and it's able to you got to be able to capitalize on your opportunities, and the Rangers have, you know, thrown away too many games, especially against Pittsburgh early in the season. You threw away points. Now it's time to steal them back. Now it's time to maybe come back from a, you know, you're down to nothing. You come back, tie it two two in the third, and you win in the shootout instead of losing. You know, this is where I want to see the Rangers kind of get over the hump of, well, we're just a young team. We're kind of figuring things out. No, it's done. You. you It's not that you need to figure things out. It's now you just got to put all the good things that I'm seeing together and play full 60-minute hockey games and start getting wins, you know, piling up. You know, three wins in a row, you lost. You know, four wins in a row, you lose two. Like, we need those streaks, and we need to stay hot right now. We had two wins in a row. We're feeling good about ourselves. We have Philadelphia, Boston, Boston to close out the month of February. I want five out of six points against these teams
1: thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at broadway boys pod and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or the hockey podcast network.com you're listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockey pod net New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at
3: thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.